Listener, just want to throw a quick content warning out before this episode. There is a scene with a character experiencing suicidal thoughts and tendencies. So if that is going to be something that is difficult for you to listen to, know that before this episode, skip this one. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Who Are You? This is a Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who've gotten to know each other while we're watching a favorite show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And we're going to do some plot poker here. Hello. So I deal myself in. So let's get some cards ready. So this is a new box, right? This is a new box. This is uh, Shattered Dreams. I had a pack of this that I found at my local, I don't even want to say it's, it's. they do games, but they're not a local game store, really. Uh-huh. I guess they got ma- current magic sets, but they are more like a, like, antique nerd store. Nice. Like, I got- So now I our got, stuff is antiques. <laughs> I got several Babylon 5 action figures there. They have, like, classic Trek- Mego figures from the 60s and stuff. Tons of old school Transformers. Tons of like 80s WWF guys. It's all over. And I found that there. And I also found this 60 card Psycor expansion. Oh my gosh. Which is what I will be opening now. Okay. Because I have made plans to go see Walter Koenig. In December. Mm, that's right. What else did you buy for that? Tell the listener. I also bought a Bester action figure, which should be arriving hopefully tomorrow. Well, it won't be tomorrow because of the holiday, but soon. Should be arriving soon. Oh, there's a rule book in here. Ooh. It is 72 pages. Wow. <laughs> so I don't think we'll be learning to play this game. But I yeah, open this bad boy up, and the first card is a Zathras that I've never seen before. Of course it is. <laughs> so we've got that going at the very least. So where is it that you're going to go see Walter? GalaxyCon in Columbus, Ohio. And that's his last scheduled appearance that we know about, right? It is his last scheduled appearance that is... On any kind of schedule I could find. Oh, there it is. The man himself. Yay! That needs signed. So, yeah, the goal will be to take that down and get that card signed. I'm going to put Bester in the arrivals pile here. I got a different... I'm opening my Shattered Dreams, and I got a different Bester... This is a foiled scheme, but the picture on it is uh, Ah. Mr. Bester himself. He's been foiled a time or two, I think. Yeah. 
He's, he's done some tel- foiling as well. I got a telepathic scan with him on it. Being mean to Talia. Mm. A ooh, a uh, is this? I think this is next episode. Is this scene? I won't oh, say anything. Oh yeah, that face looks real familiar. Yeah, and from uh, last episode, the uh, captain from Scrubs. Oh yeah, Captain Kelso. Mm-hmm. Oh hey, this is also from next episode. This is Harlan Ellison. Yes. That's fun. We caught that. At first, my husband was like, is that Nathan Lane? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we both knew that was not possible. There's some good cards in here. I mean, from what I know of the game, which is nothing. There's some good cards from what I like to see here. Oh, I got Earth. So is Elite a Minbari name or title? Because I've gotten a, a, an Elite, and it looks like Nerun to me. That is, elite is a title. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Shy elite being like the highest. Okay. Here's one from season five, which is just a obey with Bester on it. (laughs) Very, they live. I look forward to getting to see that scene. I'm doing one more pack. The badge and the gloves. That's a fun card. Mm-hmm. We've we've already talked about that recently too. Mm-hmm. Oh hey, this is very funny. Okay, you go first. Oh, I got baby Jeffrey Combs. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. That was pretty early. Yes, it was. What'd you get? I got the handy dandy micro helper that <laughs> Garibaldi uses to trick his way into the green and purple drowsy conflict (laughs) (laughs) what a funny thing oh talia winters is in here oh yeah that's nice kelsey this is uh of course uh chekhov's telepath Uh uh-huh i'm gonna throw talia in one of these piles as well i got some interesting cards i'm not feeling like this is as much of a dud as my great war box was Ooh, and uh, a proxima three Ooh, relevant to our recent discussions. Yeah. Well, I got some I got some bangers in this pack here. I'm gonna open up yeah. one pack real quick just to have that sweet, sweet yeah. ASMR. I gotta open up the card spreadsheet, which doesn't have quite the same audio profile. Alright, so how this works is we've opened a handful of packs of the old Babylon 5 collectible card game. We've been doing this for, this is our fourth box. Yeah, we did a, yeah. a deluxe starter set, a Great War, a so the Shadows, shadows yeah. and now a Shattered Dreams. And we open these packs and we sort cards into a handful of piles, which represent different parts of a arc of an A plot or a B plot of an episode of Babylon 5. So we have a character who is the focus sometimes this is someone on the station sometimes this is an arrival to the station a problem a solution and then a twist which is just a little bit extra to do something with the cards and so we have organized these shuffled and randomly pulled a plot which we will now use to construct the a plot and the b plot of a hypothetical episode of babylon 5 which we will then rate on a scale of babylon's one to five as is our prerogative 
on this podcast. So I have the A plot this time around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, you do. <laughs> cool. I I drew an interesting plot here. Okay. It's a very. Uh, this is a very concise one. This might be the most concise one I've drawn. Okay. So I'm intrigued. We, we start with Harriman Gray, who is the aforementioned baby baby Jeffrey Combs uh-huh, arriving yeah. on the station. What has brought him to the station is a batch of dust, which is the drug oh. that turns people into telepaths. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, how he uh, has been instructed by the Psycor, he's here without Bester, without anyone else. Okay. When we saw him last, he was here as a Psycor military liaison. He has since become a Psycop. And mm. he has some... He's new to the Psycop life. He's not as ingrained a Psycop as Bester or some of the other people we see hanging around Bester. A little and more so, sympathetic, huh? Definitely a little bit more sympathetic. And so okay. the uh, the solution that is provided to him for this dust, he finds, is the two-part slow poison that Londo used on Rifa or uh-huh. claims to have used on Rifa. And so he has something where he's all like, hey, there's this thing in dust. When someone interacts with this other thing that Psycor gave me, it will, you know, they'll get sick. They'll come to Med Lab. We'll be able to find him out. Right. And okay. he doesn't know that Bester has lied to him. And this is actually the other half of a poison. The first half of which was in the batch of dust. Oh, no. And so he ends up killing like. 30 people by releasing Ooh. this thing. It is, it is a bad time. Uh-huh. And this leads him to some personal growth. This card <laughs> represents uh, Jakar after his encounter with Dust and Kosh in his mind. Okay. And yeah. so he's all like, maybe this is not for me after all. Yeah. And abandons being a psychop. Maybe he'll go rogue later. Maybe Ooh. that'll be a plot. Pop up in season five, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excellent. All right. What's our B plot? In the B plot, we have a returning favorite, very B plot character, which is Brother Theo. Ooh. And so Brother Theo and his monks, you know, they're they're very conscientious usually as a group, but religion always has an element where it might step on somebody's toes, whether you mean to or not, mm-hmm. shall we say. And they're involved in a diplomatic blunder. So they make a mistake. There's a conflict with another race on Babylon 5. And in order to settle this conflict, it's getting very heated. You know, there's getting to be like violence uh, mm-hmm. suggested against the monks. Captain Sheridan actually has to go and talk to Kosh. And say, look, you got to talk to this other race. Mm-hmm. And he draws upon his Vorlon allies. Okay. Because, you know, everyone listens to the Vorlons. We're at least a little bit scared of the Vorlons, maybe. Terrified, yeah. So Kosh goes to where there's a conflict brewing outside the monk's monastery. And says some cryptic Kosh stuff and calms everybody down. Mm-hmm. But... The twist on the end of the episode is that the monks are actually running an underground resistance Ooh. beneath 
everything else. And they were very close to being exposed by the conflict that happened in this episode. Okay. This sounds like a good episode. Yeah, there's a lot of drama. It's a very dramatic episode. But we also get a brother. I love a brother Theo episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's bound to be some wise things said between brother Theo and Kosh, right? For sure. I see a little bit of a like crossover between the A plot and the B plot too, where uh, maybe the underground resist uh, the underground activities mm-hmm. are smuggling some of those telepaths out that are unlicensed. Maybe yeah. Harriman mm-hmm. has like some interaction with Theo. And you don't find out until the end that they were smuggling telepaths out and it like adds a layer of drama to the other scene that you didn't know was there on your first watch. Yeah, I like that. I love it when this show does things like that. Yeah, I like this episode. I would watch Uh this episode. I am going to give. Have we given a created episode a five? I don't think we have. I don't know if we've given ourselves a five out of five, but I think we should right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm here for it. (laughs) Five out of five. This is the best ding, creating ding, ding. episode. We've done 11 of these, and this is the best one. Well, a lot of psychor drama does it, doesn't it? I mean. Always. Yeah. Speaking of a lot of psychor drama. drama. <laughs> hey, there's a nice segue. Just laid itself right in front of me. But what happens in this episode? Well, we've got season four, episode 16, The Exercise of Vital Powers. We open on a Voice of the Resistance broadcast, uh, letting us know that there are a couple more smaller colonies that have been freed. There have been more defections and more atrocities that Clark has committed have come to light. We go to a voiceover. It's Jerry Doyle's turn for a diary entry. Yeah. And this is probably the worst acting Jerry Doyle does in the entire show. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, it's bad. I I was taken out of how, how bad this monologue was acted. Yeah. It's very out of character for Garibaldi anyway. Like, everything yeah. that's been happening has been a little bit like, his character really sucks now. Well, it's supposed to be. Right, right. He recaps his thoughts on Sheridan's campaign, uh, mostly some more power-hungry savior stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I do have a note, though. It's very interesting that this is exactly what Naroon was saying of Delenn to her. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Power hungry, savior complex. Like it's it all lines up a lot. And I thought that was a interesting dichotomy. Yeah, it does. Uh, it, it is. And I remember now this, this monologue is where he's like, Mars tried to kill me three times before. I, I agree with you now that that's, it's a little rough. It's a rough monologue. Yeah. After this, Garibaldi doesn't want to put a mask on because he'll look stupid. And uh, Morrissey (laughs) says he doesn't care, but sympathizes. That's the whole joke. I don't I don't have to do anything else at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised that Mr. Depeche Mode is still around. I did not remember him being a going concern this long. We've had him for what? Three episodes now? Four? A few. Yeah, he's been in a handful of episodes. Yeah. So we come back from theme to med lab where Franklin is still unable to de-shadowfy the telepaths in cryostasis. Lita talks to Zach real quick, a victim to scan an idea thief. And Mm -hmm. uh, while this is going on, she hears the shadow 
while this is going on, she hears the shadow ship noise in the telepath on the operating table who then rises up and they have a Kirk Spock moment through the glass. I have been and always shall be your friend. He says some shit when he gets up. This is a very difficult scene to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, Jokes aside. Yeah, because you don't know what's going on with these guys and like, yeah, how much pain are they in? They're they're in a non-zero amount of pain, right? Yes. It seems whatever has been done to their brains is not comfortable. Yeah. No, it's they are they're looking for the sweet release of death here. There's no escape. The only hope is the sweet relief of death. Yeah, uh, basically. Is how bad the pain is. And we don't really know what's going on with them or if they can be saved. Like we know Franklin hasn't figured it out yet. He, the way that this guy is speaking, I got a big vibe of he does not remember who he is. Yeah. Like, I don't know that there is anyone to save. Mm, yikes. Yeah. After this scene, we go back to Garibaldi and his mask is off. So he must be at that ultra rich business person's house. Mm -hmm. With the private doc. With the private doc. And uh, sure enough, he runs into Lise and William Edgars. This is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar? I wasn't familiar with him from anything else, but I mean, he has real big like Ted Turner vibes, doesn't he? So he had a steady job on network TV from uh -huh. 1958 to 1974. I believe that. Yeah. He had two He's shows. He had a voice. He was on 77 Sunset Strip, and then he was in 173 episodes of that, and then he was in the FBI for 241 episodes. Damn. <laughs> but I know this voice. You are correct to call out this voice, mm -hmm. because he had both a major Marvel and DC character in the 90s, in the, like, the big okay. 90s animation verse, and we had Marvel had Spider-Man. He was Doc uh -huh. Ock in 90s Spider-Man. Okay. And then in 90s DC animation through Batman the Animated Series and then appearances in movies and Superman occasionally, he was Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah. I, he's, he definitely had a big, long career. When I first saw him, I have never seen the show Dallas. But I think the listeners of our age kind of know of Dallas, mm -hmm. right? And it's not in his creds at all, but I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, this is how I imagine Dallas would look like somebody <laughs> on Dallas. Like, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know anything about it, but he's got that of a certain time in television look and sound about him. Yeah, for sure. Garibaldi tells him why he's come. Uh, it's more than his own needs uh, and needing to meet him. He needs someone to stop Sheridan. Yeah, Garibaldi's got... Sheridan on the brain. Yep. William compares Clark's rise to power directly to Hitler here with a reference to the Ramschput. I know I pronounced that wrong, but it is the uh, the Knight of a Thousand Daggers or something. 
the yeah, night. Yeah, he calls it the night of the long knives. But oh, that's what it is. The night of the long knives. That's what it translates to. Yeah, yeah. This is when Nazi brown shirts, which is the group that would eventually become the Gestapo, killed a thousand political opponents and sympathizers in Germany over three days. Yeah, yeah. So he's implying that something like that happened on Earth. Not just you know, we didn't just declare martial law and take over the colonies. We also like killed a bunch of people. Yeah, presumably this isn't just hyperbole. Yeah. And Clark did this. Garibaldi makes his case as to what he wants Edgars to do, uh, which is make sure Sheridan gets due process for his insurrection. And then Edgars is like, what's in it for me? And it's like, well, you get political gain, you know. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the everyone here just expects Sheridan to lose is kind of the vibe. Yeah. Like, there's no way he's going to take down Clark. And I'm just like, y'all, like Garibaldi of everyone Mm -hmm. should know the forces he can bring to to bear, especially if he's getting paranoid about it. Edgar's can be forgiven for not knowing because we know that he kind of knows of the shadows, right? But he doesn't know everything, right? Because we we know that Earth was kind of in the dark on that. But Garibaldi was like there, my man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Something's clearly not right with him, right? Uh-huh. Franklin catches up with Lita, and he and she's just like, how'd you get that telepath to be awake and not a danger? And she's like, bitch, I'm psychic. Like, <laughs> what, what do you expect this answer to be, Franklin? <laughs> now, I have a question for you, Jaffair. Yes. Do you think... A normal telepath or even, you know, a, a bester level like P12 can accomplish this. Or is this a Lita only thing because of her alterations? I think this is a Lita only thing. And I think okay. that's partially because of her alterations, but mm-hmm. more so because of her experience in the Shadow War. Okay. Because she was taken out like these pilots like three or four at a time at one point. So that the mm. white stars could attack, you know. Yeah. So she's got experience in dealing with this type of mind already. Right. And I think that really helps a lot here. Yeah, this whole thing seems very easy for her. Like, she's not struggling the way we've seen her struggle with things before. Yeah. She's not really breaking a sweat. She's just kind of grappling with them mentally, but not... She's not going to pass out afterwards. She's okay. No, she's doing fine. She's got everything's number here. She knows what's going down. She's read the Mm -hmm. cards. Call me now for your free tarot reading. Over on Mars, Garibaldi gets captured and gets put into a big empty room with a telepath. Presumably Psychor of some variety. Not not Psychor Black, but she's got the badge. No, it would make sense that uh, Edgar's probably has like a Rolodex full of commercial telepaths that he uses for these kind of loyalty checks sometimes. Make sure nobody's running off with company secrets. Mm -hmm. He's jumbled up and surprised in order to prevent him from having time to mentally prepare, which I think is interesting because they make such a stink. Like all of the all of the anti telepath people in this show. Mm hmm. Just every time where it's all like, you can fool a lie detector, you can't fool a telepath. Like, one, Mm -hmm. that's a weird stance to take that 
on, but two, why does he, why do you care if he has time to prepare if you can't fool a telepath? And that's the whole point that you're upset about. Yeah. Yeah. Also the audacity of this man, Mr. Edgars to be doing this. He's a rich as, old as we white find dude. Out this is the perfect time to use caucasity. <laughs> yes. The caucasity of this man. Oh, do you think it could be a deliberate casting choice with the, Oh, hundred percent. Telepath. Oh, oh, the telepath. Oh, I didn't even yeah. think about that. Ooh, because we have a probably. lady of color that yeah. is here. Even if it's not deliberate, there's a interesting poetry there that the this rich old white man is using her to do his bidding, and she turns out to be very expendable. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Garibaldi has to answer a bunch of questions here. Uh, how do you feel about this minority? Where were you on January 6th? Do you love my wife? Pretty standard before you get a radio show between Hannity and Rush. <laughs> yeah, he passes everything except that last question. Mm. Yep. I don't think he had to be a telepath to see him <laughs> not pass didn't. this. <laughs> Very much so. You do not. Yeah, he's got no like no poker face when it comes to lease. But Edgars tells Lise otherwise and says that Garibaldi has moved on and that he had passed and is going to work here. And then Morrissey kills the Psycop to commercial. We come back to Lita as Franklin is testing her dealing with the Shadow Paths. Uh, this one wakes up and attacks Franklin, putting Descartes before the horse. He makes a... He makes a joke about. Oh yeah, yeah. I think therefore, yeah, that's that didn't land. That's fine. We can. Yeah, no, I it just I'm slow these days, man. It just had to churn through the brain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the gears had to start working. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is where Lita. This is where all the he says all the shit to Lita, and Lita mm -hmm. prevents his existential crisis from turning into a suicide at this point. Yeah. He uh, grabs something sharp on the nearby table. Yep. And she's got to hold him back a little bit, but it's, again, not a big, huge deal for her. But she puts him back to sleep. So he's going to be okay for now. He can go back into cryostasis as far as we know. Yep. Over on Mars, a bunch of white dudes talking about being afraid of becoming second-class citizens to a minority. Uh, oh, my God. And, you know, thinking about your comment earlier and... Their big argument here is one that can hide amongst the populace is what makes this minority so scary compared to other ones. Oh, yeah. The other ones, we can see it on their face. Yeah. Ugh. And their skin. And yeah, this whole thing is just creepy as hell, right? Yeah. Bits aside, this is this this hit hard. Nobody takes power. They are given power is a condemning statement on complacency during political upheaval. And then mm -hmm. he throws out some dates and some locations, including the Russians in 2013, which, by the yeah. way, Putin in 2012 is when he seized power and did the whole switcheroo with the president and the uh, prime minister in order to stay in power and circumvent their constitution. Oh, I did. You know, I thought about that. I thought, huh, that's funny. I didn't go do good any Googling about dates. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it was in yeah. 2012. So he would have come into office for that in 2013. The election takes place before. Just like Babylon ours. Five calls it again. It called Scott Adams craziness, <laughs> and now the and Russian that, situation. Yes. Yeah, I I don't want to know what's supposed to happen in two years with the Iraqis. I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> and then the French. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, mm. the French. I've seen we. I've seen. I've seen the French wheel out the guillotine at least twice in my lifetime already. No one's gone in yet, but they keep them red the ready, apparently. Yeah. Well, we probably won't be around for that one in twenty one twelve, but eh. yeah, I hope it's interesting. I will be old as fuck if I'm alive in twenty one twelve. Hopefully if I am alive in twenty one twelve, it's because right. of miracle science and not depressing science. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we're just like uploaded into avatars at that point. I want to be in an avatar. <laughs> I have to be around in 2112. <laughs> I've seen San Junipero. That didn't look that bad. But one happy episode of Black Mirror. Um, ish. I guess you talk about it on the Discord. We're not going to get into that right now. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Edgar recounts Clark's rise to power through his perspective. He's upset about using aliens and telepaths. Not that he seized power. He, he makes that very clear distinction. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's pointing out, too, it's so funny, because the whole time, like, Edgar's is a giant hypocrite, right? But he's also pointing out Clark is a a hypocrite, because he's like, he played on our fear of aliens, and then he got the aliens to help him. And Meanwhile, plotting what he's plotting for telepaths. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, oh, my God. It's, It's tough to watch, not because anything about this is bad but because it's like so real yeah yeah it's too real edgars then admits that clark's power is an illusion and that megacorps actually run everything well yeah of course they do <laughs> we live in america we know about that mm-hmm. he gets to the rest of it here the threat to them is making clark's paranoia have them turn more power over to the psychor power they won't give back mm-hmm over at the fleet, Ivanova is FaceTiming with Sheridan. Clark sent a few destroyers over to test station defenses, and they immediately defected. I would be mm. so weary about those fucking ships. <laughs> yeah, same. Like, too too easy. Yeah. We need you to go help defend Mimbar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go there, put, please. Put you somewhere. I don't have to worry about you. <laughs> We get an update on Delenn. We're mostly caught up. She's returning to the station soon. Good, good. And no news from Epsilon 3 either. She then transfers the call to Franklin. He's made some progress, but Sheridan needs results. And he finally tells Stephen why. We don't see the what's going on here. This is kept from us, the viewer. But we yeah. do see Stephen's reaction. Not good. Not good. I wrote devastated in my notes. Mm-hmm. Lita happens upon him in the hallway and Franklin tells her that he finally sees the change in Sheridan. The one that everyone else had mentioned seeing when he had come back from Zaha Doom. I don't think everyone else did. I think it was mostly just Garibaldi harping on about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Garibaldi definitely was in there for a bit. <laughs> yeah. No, this this uh, scene actually did get me wondering. Mm-hmm. Sheridan definitely... One, 
quotes the shadow war by convincing everyone to get the hell out of his galaxy. But this man did go to Zaha Doom and it's kind of everybody's just kind of taking his word for it. Like Garibaldi was complaining about like, what if they did influence him in some way? What if the shadows did do something to him? Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever he's asking of Franklin, Franklin's not super happy about it. I don't think, I don't think he has And honestly, I swear, I really don't remember exactly what's happening with these telepaths. I, it's kind of new to me. Okay. That's, <laughs> I don't think he plans to kill these telepaths. That like, is they're going to Mars for something. Interesting, because the episode that I had missed on my run through as a kid was the one that showed what these telepaths can do. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of like, if you're now missing the end bit, I was missing the beginning bit of uh-huh. of what's going on here. So... Yeah, well, you're in for a, uh, well, you'll find out. Franklin <laughs> hires Lita for a long-term job, starting with a trip to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. And speaking mm. of Mars, Garibaldi thinks that the only difference between him and Edgar's is money. What's the difference between me and you? About 32 bucks, a haircut, and some shoes. Oh, man. Yeah, listening to Garibaldi list off this stuff is a little painful. Right. Uh, oh. And he really doesn't see it. No, he really no, he does it. not see it at all. He is absolutely oblivious to any faults in himself as a person. Yeah, I mean, you and I know it because we get to watch the whole episode, but Edgar's isn't exactly a great dude. <laughs> no. But from Garibaldi's point of view, he doesn't know about, you know, the genocide murder yet. Yep. He He's like objectively better than you, man. <laughs> <laughs> And a whole lot of measures. And one of those being just proximity. Just being that. I mean, proximity. I I, I did not read that as a literal he was there. I mean, I'm sure that he that's part of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I read it more of a uh, emotional he was there. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, proximity in like a bunch of senses, like not just physical proximity, but like. He picked up the phone where, you know, yeah. Garibaldi's on Babylon 5 and might be busy. Yeah, she reaffirms she loves William. Garibaldi is the guy you never hear from first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over in the interrogation room set, but this time with the lights from the Grey Council set, Edgar's checks in on some dying people with Morrissey. And he orders a lot of them, quote, put down, end quote. He has a show of some kind of remorse here. Look at how nice I am not letting the people that I'm killing suffer needlessly after I've gotten everything I needed from them. It's weird. He's so weird. He's so fucking terrible. I I think it was a great choice casting wise to get Mm -hmm. somebody with such a charismatic voice and... Like they cast this guy like sight unseen. Like he was not a fan of the show. He did not ask for it. And JMS was familiar with his work and was just all like Mm -hmm. this guy fucking get him. Yeah. I mean, it was a great choice. Yeah. Garibaldi finds William and tells him that he's in the cost of getting in 
is for Garibaldi to turn Sheridan in. This was the whole reason he was approached. He learns his connection to Sheridan and he reveals some information about Papa Sheridan that will force him to be found. Yeah, Papa Sheridan needs this one rare drug, and if we can track the places that are administering this drug, then we know where whereabouts he's at. Yep. As far as setting the trap, Garibaldi agrees. He goes to one of the other domes in Mars to start setting it up, and we get a monologue of self-justification bullshit to credits. Well, Laura using mm-hmm. our patented scale that we have not patented, patent pending, uh, of Babylon's one to five. How'd you feel about this episode? I mean, I'm still in above average territory. Like, I'm still on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm giving it a four. Okay. I have a th- uh, How about you? I got a three written down. Okay. Um, Some of this is pretty difficult to watch bordering on fuck this episode yeah. for me uh-huh, sure, uh, sure. but it did not cross that line it flirted with that line uh, more yeah. than anything though it's just so frustrating to just deal with Garibaldi this episode like yeah Garibaldi's the worst I, I have known people like this and I have removed them all from my life but mm-hmm. just the oh what just because that guy's got more money than me, and it's all like, mm, there's a whole lot you have not taken in about yourself. Yes. That shows yes. a level of lack of self-reflection that makes me wonder if you would pass Mimbari senti- sentience rules. Like, Right. He's got a big self-blind spot. Yeah, it's bad. And it's so difficult to see, and it's so, so difficult to deal with. And uh-huh. so maybe that's yeah. just me remembering old friendships that I would am better off now not having in my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I'm being a little hard on this episode. And if that's I the case, so be it. It's supposed to push that button. Yeah, it's supposed to push that button for us. Because I yeah. think everybody has somebody like that in their life that you're just like, how do you not see this in the mirror when you look at yourself? Some people just aren't looking at themselves, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I I guess that's where I'm at. I know that sometimes we've differed on where the fuck this episode line is. I really like the ones that are pushing you that way. <laughs> um, you know, that they're they're like pushing it. I, f- I find it artful. But I can understand why that crosses into fuck this episode. And I feel like they're actually the same rating. They're just different. It's different takes on it so i don't know i there's so much suspense we don't know what's going on with franklin and the telepaths we don't know if garibaldi's going to be successful with his gambit with sheridan we don't even know what the fleet's doing right now like they're going to be coming up on earth pretty soon yeah we've ramped up a lot of tension and i love it yeah it is getting crazy right now but what's not crazy is if you were to send us your thoughts on season four Yes, please. Send us your season four recap thoughts for our recap episode that's coming in a couple of weeks. There's still time to get us those things, so please do so, so that we we can read your letter. Send us an email, whoareub5 at gmail.com. Get us on the Discord. Send us a Twitter DM. 
It's a big season. You know you have something to say. And we want to hear it. So let us Mm -hmm. know. But before we get there, we've got season four, episode 17. The face of the enemy. Mm. And hey, we've got a guest next week. We've got Rachel and Ryan from Yum Yum Podcast joining us. So excited to have them. I am as well. Always a blast with those two. Indeed. Uh the episode Sheridan is summoned to Mars after his father is arrested and Garibaldi gives him over to Clark's forces. Garibaldi's conspiracy to overthrow Earthgub continues to escalate. Wait a second. Garibaldi's conspiracy? That's what the preview says. Hmm. Whose preview is that? A voodoo? Last, this is the one for this episode was wrong too, where it was just like, oh, Franco and Alita go to Mars. And it's just like, no, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Did an AI write these? Gosh. (laughs) An AI that didn't watch Babylon 5? Quite possibly. (laughs) But you know who has watched Babylon 5? I actually don't know this for certain. Jeremy Siegel, who composed our (laughs) lovely theme music. Jeremy, thank you for contributing your art and your time to our art and our time. We really appreciate it. We love the theme song. Thank you so much. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com or on any streaming service as Nuclear Jaguar. The August album has been delayed. He did move. Nuclear Jaguar (laughs) is moving, so... Yeah, some life stuff. <laughs> their their August album will be out soon, or it will be combined with September is the, the word on the street. So. Okay. Yeah, and thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Thank you, Aaron, for editing our podcast. Thank you so much for putting some time in to make Laura and I sound like not driveling idiots. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure some days it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> And thank you to you, the listener, for being here with us. Yeah. We love that you spend, you know, 30 minutes, an hour-ish of your day, depending on how fast you listen to your pods, <laughs> with us. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, give us your season four thoughts or any other thoughts, you can reach us at whoareub 5 at gmail.com or come hop in the Discord. Join us there. We'll see you next week, Internet. Bye.